0: chapter we're concluding today for the month of February a series on radical love we talked about the radical love that God uh, has shown towards us what that radical love is the word radical means to bring forth transformation it's to go away from the norm Um, then we talked about the radical love language that the father speaks do you know what Jesus speaks or you know what the father speaks He speaks Jesus, that's what we speak, and it's not just the song that we sing, it's the language, it's the love language that we share and it's Jesus, and then last week thank Pastor Jen for sharing with us on uh, Radical Love Manifested, but this morning, freely you have received, what should you do now that you've received, so we're going to talk about loving our neighbors. You know, Jesus spoke in parables. Parables about the kingdom teach us how to live like we're in heaven on earth. See, the Father not only desires that you make heaven your home, He wants to make your home like heaven. And we'll write that down and and start meditating on that. He just doesn't want you. Matter of fact, I will go as far as to submit to you that He has already established and secured for you a home in heaven when you die through what Jesus Christ did at the cross. Okay, I got a couple amens on that. So you don't have to worry about the afterlife now that you've believed. So let's focus on this life and living in it abundantly and so that it will be as your days are as heaven on earth. And so when Jesus shared in parables, What he was doing, he was taking real life uh, examples and he was applying it to the kingdom of God in order for us to be able to define what the kingdom is on the earth. Because so many times we've made it about what it is when we die, but he was really trying to explain to us and define for us the kingdom of God in the earth. And when he shares these parables, he's explaining to us how to access the kingdom of God. Can I get a hallelujah glory to God that you don't access the kingdom through death? We have access to the kingdom of God right now. The scripture says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So repentance is what gives us access. That changing of our mind. And then changing of direction gives grants us access through the blood of Christ into the kingdom of God. Then it points to un- the unforgettable picture of how to live life in the kingdom right now. I'm a right now preacher. I, w- I want you to enjoy life right now. So many Christians have looked like uh, and acted like They weren't enjoying life. No wonder this next generation doesn't want anything to do with the church is because they look at the church and they see people who are sick and tired of following rules and aren't very good at following those rules and then redouble their efforts because they couldn't follow those rules and they're miserable. I'm happy. I got a spring in my step and joy in my heart and a smile on my face because I'm up now, yes, burdens. Battles, situations, I know all of that. But I'm enjoying life and I believe that you can enjoy life. That's why Jesus was sharing with his disciples. We can take these parables and we can apply them to our life today. Uh, Would you, Matthew, make sure that everything on that board is muted but my mic because I've got a cricket in my ear behind me. Thank you. So in Luke 10, in the context of the kingdom, that's, that's our context, is the kingdom. Jesus says to the disciples in verse 23 and 24, Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are the ears that hear what you hear. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and didn't see it. And to hear what you hear, and they didn't hear it. Can I tell you why to this day they don't see it and they don't hear it? Because the kingdom's not being preached. It's this denomination set of rules and dogma. And if you follow that, then when you die, in the sweet by and by over yonder somewhere, you can see hope deferred makes the heart sick. I'm not deferring hope. I'm giving you hope today. I'm letting you know that you can live in the kingdom today. You can have all the benefits of the kingdom right now. Mm. Joy, righteousness, and peace. That's the kingdom of God. And it's located in the Holy Ghost. Touch your neighbor and say, I've got the Holy Ghost. So you've got the kingdom. You have the kingdom. Now after verses 23 and 24, starting with verse 25, Jesus is going to use a parable as he talks to a young man who confronts him. And this parable represents the magnitude of the love that a believer should show towards his neighbor. So We're talking about radical love. So Jesus is going to share with us a parable, a real life example of how we should treat others. And it's going to show the magnitude of the love. I'm convinced, if I can have everybody's attention for one minute, I'm convinced that if we can learn to love our neighbors with an unconditional love, the kingdom of God will manifest in the earth in such a way. Talk about revival. To me, when I hear the word revival, all I'm hearing is you want a bunch of hype. You want to fall on the floor, and nothing wrong with any of that. I believe in it. I love it. I'm a, I completely understand it. But if you get up from the floor and you go out and cuss your neighbor, I'm talking about the magnitude of a love of the love that a believer should have towards his neighbor. Because the love chapter tells me I can speak with the tongue of men and of angels. But if I don't have love, I'm just clanging brass, making a bunch of noise. So my take on this parable, if you want to know the JRW version of the take, the application of this parable, here it is. You ready? There is no place for prejudice in the kingdom. All the way to the back, did you hear that? There's no room for prejudice in the kingdom of God. So let's read this story together and see what Jesus says. You want to know what Jesus said? That's what I want to learn. I want to learn what Jesus said, what he's telling me. Behold, a lawyer stood up, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, to put him to the test. So this lawyer wants to put Jesus to the test. Now when it says a lawyer... That means he is an expert in the law of Moses. He knows the 613 laws and he knows how to apply them. And he's testing Jesus with the law. And he says, teacher, what shall I do? Underline that word do. That's where he made his mistake. What shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? Notice that Jesus answered the question with a question. How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and all and your neighbor as yourself. That's found in Deuteronomy 6 and in Leviticus. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. But the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, you know you can't justify yourself, that just hit me. Justification only comes through what Jesus did at the cross. Mm. And who is my neighbor, he asked Jesus. Jesus replied, a man was going down, here's the parable, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road, when he saw him passed by the other side, so likewise a Levite. When he came to the place, saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, underline this, he had compassion. That's the key. He had compassion. The magnitude of the, of the love that a believer should show for his neighbor is found in compassion. Many times. Jesus was moved with compassion he went to him and bound up his wounds poured oil and wine then he set him as on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying take care of him and whatever more you spend I will pay you when I come back which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers And the lawyer answered the one who showed mercy Jesus said to him, go, do, likewise. Thank you, Father, for the scripture that imparts to us wisdom and understanding of how we should be living in the kingdom to make our home like heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was confronted by a lawyer. This dude was an expert in the law. The design of his questioning to Jesus was to get him in a debate, does that make any sense or resonate with anybody? Has anybody ever been questioned and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt the person questioning you wanted to debate with you? Because what happens when people ask questions and design to debate with you, all they want to do is prove that you're they're right and you're wrong. To love my neighbor, to have compassion on my neighbor, listen to me, you must lose your desire to be right. And then, I was born right. <laughs> but I've lost my desire to be R-I-G-H-T. Because I can learn from you. But if I think I'm so high and haughty and mighty, I, I could miss a lesson that God has for me from you. So my, my questioning, I don't want my questioning to be designed to debate you so that I can prove to you that I have more knowledge than you do or that I'm right and you're wrong. The intent of this man's question was to gain information From Jesus on how to inherit. I was looking back through my notes from 1999 when I started preaching. Uh, I was only 12. But 1999 to 2010, I think I had like 16 how-to sermons. How to do this, how to do that. And what caught my attention was they were all about do if you do, then this. And that's what this young man came to Jesus. His intent was to gain knowledge from Jesus on how to inherit. He's an expert in the law of Moses and the law of Moses was thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And if thou do, then thou shalt be punished. And I think so many people are caught up that when bad things happen to them, that the Lord is punishing them for something. Can I tell you, can we settle that issue right now? The discipline, the correction of the Lord has no punishment in it. It may have instruction, it may have direction, but He has already taken all judgment on Himself. So he does, the only judgment that you have left is a judgment in your favor not a punishment and this lawyer who was an expert in the law of Moses was trying to test the orthodoxy of Jesus teaching because Jesus was teaching the kingdom and not the law and if you're going to teach the law you're going to design and your intent will be in telling people how they can do certain things to maintain the gift that God has given to them so that they can inherit life after they die when I want to tell you today that you cannot earn an inheritance there is nothing you can do to inherit eternal life because you don't earn an inheritance it's a gift that has been given to you it is the gift of God least any man should boast not by works but by grace through faith Jesus took care of it for us And what he had coming to him, we now have coming to us. Don't get caught up in hearing that you don't do. Because you are a son. And sons have a responsibility. Let's keep going. Jesus responded to his question in the format of a question. Jesus has asked over 108 questions in the gospel. He only responds to three of them with an answer. The other 105, he responds with another question. Do you know that there are some questions that you could ask and if it's the right question, it could save your life? Think about that. The lawyer, though, is concerned with who his neighbor is. And according to his mindset, according to the Old Testament, according to Jewish history, and the concepts of the Jewish heritage, a neighbor was a fellow member of the Hebrew race and commonwealth or one who was worthy of being regarded as a friend or companion. Notice in this man's learning and in his education, he was never taught to love anyone that wasn't like him. Had to be a Hebrew. Had to be of the commonwealth of Israel. Had to be someone that was worthy of being a friend or a companion. Says nothing about his enemy or those that don't like him or those that don't look like him, those that don't act like him or talk like him. Going somewhere. But Jesus' concept of who your neighbor is was completely different. Remember, he's not preaching law, he's preaching the kingdom. He's defining to us the kingdom. He's telling us how we have access to the kingdom. He's telling us how we can live life in the kingdom now. And his concept of the neighbor, of neighbor brings about a word by definition that means any other human, any other man or woman of the human race now watch this and listen to this, regardless of ethnicity, got quiet when I started talking about race, there's only one, it's the human race. God made man, every human in His image and in His likeness He made male and female, period. Regardless of religious pedigree, well, they're Baptists, and I'm Nazarene. Well, they're Catholic, and I'm Episcopalian. Regardless of what religious background or no religious affiliation, the word that Jesus uses for neighbor does not have anything to do with ethnicity, nationality, pedigree. Can I preach and step? into an area where we don't like to talk about, it has nothing to do with political party affiliation. Unfortunately, during COVID, I saw more division than I've ever liked to see in my entire life. And it came to the church in the form of what side of the aisle you were sitting on based upon political affiliation, and people even left this church over. it. But Jesus said, the word that he used for neighbor includes everyone. Even your socioeconomic background, how much or how little you have in the bank or what car you drive or what clothes you wear or where you went to school or didn't go to school. It has nothing to do with any of that. So we have to get an old covenant mindset and we have to just, that's been fulfilled, and we are under a new covenant that has a new law, which is the law of life and love in the Spirit. Not rules on rocks, but a Holy Ghost dwelling in you that will touch your heart, prick your heart, and tell you, do that for such and such. Well, they, they live over there, on the other side of the tracks. I even have right here in my notes, it doesn't have anything to do with fashion. Because people won't associate with someone because they don't have a certain style of clothing on or they don't look hip or they don't smell good. Now, when I look at this story, I see some characters. and I use that word liberally. There are characters in this story that I see in life today. The first one is thieves. Do you see the thieves in this story? Thieves or robbers are ones who plunder and they exploit exploit the vulnerability of the weak without hesitation and will even go to the point of violence. Hmm. Sounds like some churches I know. Jesus said in John 10, 1, if you try to come in any other way but through me, you are both a thief and a robber. You hear any other gospel being preached than Jesus, then you're listening to a thief and a robber. Jesus said in John 10, 8, all who come before me, and I don't want to add to the scripture, but I'd like to give my commentary on it, and a lot who've come after him are thieves and robbers. Because they're telling us there's a lot of other ways to get into the kingdom other than what Jesus did at the cross. That's easy. It's simple. A child can err therein. There's only one, and that's Jesus. Hmm. But this parable points out to me that robbers and bandits are in pulpits today. Stripping people. See, when you are stripped of your clothing, that brings shame. And there's a whole lot of preaching going on that brings shame to people. But Jesus doesn't point his finger and wag his tongue and say, shame on you. He stands up and he declares, I took all your shame. I bore your shame. We're being robbed of joy in the here and now because they're holding joy for the afterlife. I mean, I even hear people say, you know, well, you sure beat me up today stepped on my toes, that's what these thieves and robbers did to this young man, and they left him for dead, then there were priests, religious leaders who were making sacrifices at the temple, they were descendants of Aaron, they were holy men, they had sac- sacred rituals and rites and they, that belonged to the temple, but they didn't have any compassion. I know a lot of people with passion that have no compassion and passion is great and I love passion and we have to be passionate about things but with passion with no compassion we will run right over top of people and leave them for half dead and not bring life to them. The priest was more worried about the laws and the rituals and the rites than he was the man. See, you are free right up to the point of your neighbor. My freedom stops when it comes up to the boundary of loving my neighbor. There may be a lot of things that I'm free to do that the Holy Spirit doesn't convict me over that I don't believe are a heaven or hell issue, but if it bumps up against Todd, and it offends Todd and it calls Todd to stumble. And he's my brother and my neighbor, and my friend. Then my love for him trumps all rules and freedoms that I have. I'm being compassionate, tender hearted, kindness towards my brother, my sister, my neighbor. Folks, and it's just not the ones in this building or the ones that bear the same last name that you have or the blood that you have in your body. It's everyone. Every human deserves that treatment. The Levite, who I believe represented the church people, he was a rule follower. He was a legalist. He kept the utensils clean and holy in the temple. He sang hymns, it was do, 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 do. Within the constraints of the law, keep doing. And a lot of people think, I've got to do this, I've got to go there, I have to give this much, I have to read that much, I've got to pray this much, I have to. And all of those things we ought to be doing as Paul gave us instruction and admonished us. But if we're do, 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 and doing, and we don't realize what has already been done, all you'll get is exhausted. But then the Samaritan came, an inhabitant of the Samaritans, a foreigner, a half-breed. And the scripture says that he was moved with compassion. Look at the scriptures, especially the gospels, and see how many times Jesus was moved with compassion. And it says, and he healed all. He didn't leave anyone out. All were healed because he was moved with compassion. I like what the scripture says, that he knelt down beside the man. Too many times we want people who are hurt, wounded, left for dead to get up and come to where we are instead of us going to where they are and kneeling down and meeting them where they are. That's what Jesus did. Jesus met people where they were. He knelt down in the dirt with the woman caught in adultery. He didn't require anything of her. He got down on her level where she was and met her at the point of her need. The 5,000 that were with him on the mountainside. He didn't say, go to McDonald's, we're taking an intermission. You all come back at 2 o'clock this afternoon and we'll have our second session. He met them at the point of their hunger and he fed them. He knelt down beside the man. Church, radical love will pour oil and wine people's wounds. The oil of gladness soothes the wounds. The wine of the spirit is to disinfect and to help heal the wounds. We'll bind up. Then after kneeling down in the dirt and meeting them at the point of their need and pouring oil and wine in, he brought them to the inn. I believe that represents the church. Then we bring them to the church where they can be taught and ministered to and receive the goodness of God and hear the teachings of the love of God and the kindness of God towards them that will build them up. We take care of them. And it's on His expense. It's on His account that all of this is done. Jennifer, if you'll come and play, please. So the conclusion of the story and its application, if we're going to radically love our neighbors, and use the definition of neighbor that Jesus used that includes all mankind. We're going to have to start showing compassion. Jesus tells the story, and as he concludes the story, and he looks at the rich young ruler, the lawyer, and the one who's asked the question, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Don't do anything. But you do have a responsibility. And because after the cross, we do because who we are, because we've already inherited, then we can go do likewise. But if you're going and trying to do likewise to receive, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to feel condemned. You're going to have a mentality of always having to do more but if you realize you've already received an inheritance because of the cross and I have a responsibility of the son and I imitate the love of Christ to my neighbor then the word of Jesus is go do likewise but if that do, if you circle that do and that's where your focus is and that's where your mentality is and that's where your efforts are doing to receive then you're not doing likewise. Because the good Samaritan did out of the compassion and the kindness of his heart. It's amazing. It wasn't religious rulers. It wasn't the people in the church. It wasn't those who had position. It was someone who was considered by the rest of culture in those days to be an outcast the Samaritans or the Syrians wouldn't have anything to do with them, and the Jews wouldn't have anything to do with him you would think that he would be so rough in his heart the key was he was moved with compassion as you stand this morning would you ask Holy Spirit to move on you with compassion Just all over the house under the sound of my voice watching just ask the Holy Spirit to show you and move on you with compassion for your neighbors I believe this is the message that will change the world one heart one life at a time one healing at a time you know after the cross after Jesus was placed in the tomb and he rose on the third day and he appeared to many the scripture says for 40 days and he stands on the Mount of Olives the scripture says that he's getting ready to transition to be back to where his father was in the next dimension but before he goes this is what he says go make disciples baptize them teach them all things Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Cast out devils, nothing shall harm you as you walk in the kingdom and you're moved with compassion. See, I can only lay hands on so many people in a certain amount of time, but if all of us go out into the world and we're moved by compassion and show the radical love of God, you'll see your workplace changed you'll see your community changed just allow the Holy Spirit right now as you just close your eyes and begin to imagine I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to drop a face in front of you right now that he wants you to be moved with compassion to begin to help well, I don't have the means to do if he shows you he'll provide a way where he guides he provides he's going to make a way where there seems no way Would you just tell the little father that you're willing this morning. Just I'm, I'm willing, Father. Here am I, send me. Wherever you're sending me, I'll go. Moved with compassion, the heart of God, to show the radical love of Jesus to men and women, boys and girls. Maybe you're in the building this morning and you've never surrendered and believed unto salvation on the finished work of the cross the blood that Jesus shed and this morning it's simple Lord I believe felt my unbelief maybe you've wandered maybe you've not felt the desire or the passion for the things of God in the kingdom Maybe you feel discouraged because of the way that you were brought up in the religious spirit that was put on you, and we bind that thing, and you are delivered from that spirit of religious religion this morning. And to say, Lord, I believe. He'll be like the prodigal son. It's like you never left. He'll say, go get the ring for my son. And the robe, he's still a son. Jesus I thank you for all that you've done 10 years of your grace goodness and your kindness a decade on this place of your favor and it's just the beginning not this place is a building but this place is a people anyone that's ever walked in walked out those that are going to come next week in the weeks and years to come May they hear of the goodness of God and the favor of the Father that's on our lives. You have been faithful, so faithful. It's your faithfulness that we are grateful for today. Your goodness, and it keeps on getting better. Thank you for that in Jesus' name.